Thank you for listening to our Chat Canna broadcast. This podcast was originally created for our YouTube channel and is being rebroadcast here for your convenience. We'd like to thank the folks at Canna RHX for providing this Chat Canna podcast. And good morning, everyone. It is the 5 of November. Wow. The month is going by already. It is a beautiful, beautiful day. They say we have several more of these, at least in the northern Red River Valley, but it seems to be sweeping quite across the Midwest as some other people are experiencing kind of yucky weather. And of course, the ETA, ETA, uh, the uh, hurricane that, that's coming up and going down and now picking up fresh water. Uh, and uh, that means momentum as it's moving across the Gulf there. And uh, always a problem where people are, and we are sad for those folks. Well, an interesting show for you today. Uh, we actually just picked up a, a new news story that I want to share with you. This is a result of what has happened uh, in the voting here just uh uh, on Tuesday, this, of course, uh, no issue on this uh, uh, part of the voting, um, and this happened in Massachusetts, and we thank the people of Massachusetts. There's been a big movement about this, and I don't know from this story how it's going to affect tractor repair, but that's the big issue of what I'm bringing you today for Chat Canna, is uh, this, of course, is a big, big deal for uh, farmers, hemp growers, anybody that has tractors, even trucks, of course, engines, more and more they are putting controls on them so that they can't be repaired anywhere but the shop that has the franchise uh, for the particular piece of equipment, whether you have red or green or orange, whatever it is that you have, if you have a problem with it, they have to hook their computers in it to do the diagnosis. Massachusetts some years back, had passed the right to repair law. And this could have ramifications all the way out to your Apple computers. Apple, of course, has a lock on their phones and their computers in some ways that some of the diagnosis and stuff can only be done, particularly the phones. But this is about cars. This is about engines. This is about hooking up to them and finding out what's wrong or even repairing them by giving the computer new or different or updated information. What are your feelings about that? Do you think that it should only be locked down to the company that created the vehicle and sold it to you? Or do you think that your mechanic in town who you trust, who services a variety of cars, they are a broad-based mechanic, um, but they are in business and are successful and you trust them and you've known them. Probably the son is running the business now and maybe he got it from the father who got it from his father. And you think that they should have a right to be able to do every kind of repair to your car, whether it's in warranty or out of warranty. And that then if there should be a warranty problem, that the merchant, the manufacturer can't say, hey, you tinkered with it, and so we are not going to cover the warranty on it. That's what this is all about. Massachusetts by 75% said that an owner of a vehicle has the right to get into the computer and get information and also make changes. This is a groundbreaking piece of news. Um, the thing is, will it spread across the country? I predict that it will. I predict that 
the feeling is, is that citizens have a right to get their product, whether it's a car. Now, this will expand, I think, to trucks, tractors, other kinds of implements that have sophisticated computers on them, you know, fixed anywhere. The other side of the coin is the fact that, hey, the minute you diddle in there, you may be screwing up some other things. And so we resolve ourselves from responsibility on everything. What's right? I make no claim to have the answer to that. I leave it to you. Tell me what you think. Please put your thoughts in the comments down below. What are your feelings on that? Should a person that has a car, this is the exact law now in Massachusetts, be able to take that car and get it repaired absolutely anywhere, including the sophisticated computer that's on that car? Or should they not? That was our first news story today, and that's what we are interested in hearing your feelings on. Well, now let's get to something a little more uh, hemp-related, because, of course, as Chad Canna, that is the focus of our show. And uh, we have some worldwide news for you, and then uh, a little closer to home as we move uh, on. We've been doing some national, international, actually, stories about different countries that are coming online and having different feelings about how they're bringing things online. We, of course, are focused on hemp. That's our belief of, of a product that has the ability to be worldwide and also to be a safe and generic kind of product as opposed to uh, the marijuana side of things. Costa Rica put the laws into effect to bring it online, and now the Ministry of Agriculture is pushing back. He does not want it. Uh, the country came out with a, there I do, I'm using this again, I don't mean to do that, but I'm surrounding it because it is the law on production of cannabis and hemp for medical purposes. In other words, the laws, the book of laws that is rolling out how Costa Rica can establish a national hemp program, which is overseen by their agriculture and health services. Okay, now the minister, Renato Alvarado, has announced that he is not happy with this. He is, and here we go, we're in the Wayback Machine again. He is suggesting the risk that hemp fields are going to be grown to conceal the other kind of plant, setting the stage for organized crime and that they will then, you know, get control. They will be having a front of being a legally operated, legally licensed hemp business, but they will be having an underground plan uh, to do this other thing. Uh, on the other hand, the president of Costa Rica, Carlos Alvarado Caicedo, uh, is in favor of it. So now we have, we are at loggerheads down there. Um, what are your feelings about that? Uh, some people say, well, you know, that's playing on the, the old ignorance, that if it's out and it's public and it's, it's in the forefront, then we have a better chance of regulating against the underground and the illegal side of things, because now we know that, you know, Joe Johnson, I'm sorry, I'm using a Norwegian name in a Costa Rican country, but just a generic farmer is farming hemp. We have the right to go there and inspect it, and it's above board and it's out in the public. The other side of the coin, of course, is the, the saying that, well, but we can't sell it apart. It smells the same. It looks the same. And until we absolutely test it, we don't know what he's raising, so they can slide this in there, is the other side of the coin. Here we are, but it's interesting that they got this far 
where it's actually a plan to be put in place and it's ready to go. Uh, they want it to revive Costa Rica's economy because they have had as much of this virus problem as the United States or Europe has had. We don't hear as much about it, but they were they have been shut down, locked up, businesses closed, uh, no economic growth, economic turn back, everything like that. So, you know, they were looking for this as one of the things that would financially start getting them rolling again. And now it's interesting at this late date in the game, they are starting to get pushback from, you know, a very public figure who was kind of in this from day one. What are your feelings on that? Please leave your comments uh, down below and let us know what you think. Um, which way should it go? Uh, that was, of course, the idea in America all the time, too, is, well, this, you know, you can have this field of this and then you can be doing this other thing. You know, I have never seen that as being a problem. We have always here had our doors open. We actually invited uh, the Drug Enforcement Task Force to our farm uh, and, you know, kind of walk them through everything that we're doing and how we're doing it and invited them to just, you know, have a look around. And uh, we didn't feel any pressure from them. Um, I don't think that they in any way think that we're doing anything wrong. And we've invited them back. We have an open door policy. Uh, and, uh, you know, we've never heard from them except for the phone call about something once that was, you know, not relevant to anything illegal or anything. Uh, so, and uh, in talking to all of the people in my part of the world, it just doesn't seem to be an issue because everybody is doing their very, very best to be above board and, and doing this. Um, so I don't know. Let us move uh, from, uh, well, we're staying down in that part of the world just yet, Bahamas now. Um, and it's too bad that they're putting this in one basket. But they have decided to move forward as part of their economic recovery plan. And, you know, they just got wiped out by the hurricanes. Um, and so they have decided to uh, legalize marijuana for recreational, medical, and religious use. And so you're saying, well, John, how does that affect us as hemp growers? Well, it's interesting how they've included hemp in that whole picture. So they have come up with the establishment of a regulatory body to oversee the authorization and enforcement of the other side of the business. Um, and that's all, you know, in, in process, the House Assembly, that's their government down there, uh, is putting that all together. Uh, they're, first, they're going to, for instance, expunge all the records of the people that were uh, picked up for crimes, um, uh, small amounts, uh, and start moving backwards and opening this up and doing that whole step for that side of the business. Um, they're going to have allowances for adults to use and to uh, exchange and to cultivate. And, uh, and it's all on a very small scale basis. But here's the key for it for us hemp, hempers, us hemp farmers. Um, oh, also resorts, guest houses, cafes, on-premises consumption of the other. They've got that all planned in there. But here's the big deal for the hemp industry. As part of all of this bigger bill to make this all legal, I can frame myself in the picture here. They have basically exempted hemp and any derivative products that have minimal or no THC 
And then so allowing for CBD and all of its family and uh, hemp in industrial form, the CBD type plants, uh, the uh, hemp uh, raised for um, fiber, seeds, all of the other flows, they just wipe it out. You are free to do anything you want in the world of hemp, as long as, again, the word right now, they don't even have a designation on it of how much. Minimal is their word to differentiate hemp from the other stuff. So, boy, wide open door for hemp farmers. That's so good to be able to go there and start raising hemp and uh, to be able to process it and uh, not have Big Brother over your shoulder as long as you're, I'm sure they're going to start doing it by varieties. This variety is clean. This variety is clean. This variety is clean. But as part of that, the Economic Recovery uh, Committee has opened it up and hemp farming is going to become wide open down in the Bahamas. So that's one country you can put uh, in the positive side for hemp. And that's going to be real interesting to watch how that develops down there. Uh, the other part of the show that I wanted to do today is terpenes. And we hear so much about terpenes, and I thought it was time to just step back a little bit and talk about terpenes in, in a kind of a general way, because every guest that we have on, as we talk about hemp in the CBD side of things particularly, but even in industrial hemp, if it's used um, for any kind of thing, or just when they're out in the field having hemp in their hands and they smell it and they're talking about terpenes. And what are terpenes? And so I thought we'd just expand on that a little bit today and give you a little primer. And I want to tell you that from this part of the show forward, every number that I'm going to tell you is an inaccurate number. And I know that sounds crazy, but the numbers that I'm going to tell you are just kind of somebody's guess, because you're going to hear a number of 1,000 and 20,000 and 140, and these are just all estimates or counting that somebody has done so far, or just wild guesses. So let's establish the fact that all these numbers are just from different reports or somebody's guesses and estimations. It's just like how many different bugs are there in, in the, on the earth? And they're interpolating that we've only like figured out, what is it, 4% or 20%. Therefore, there must be 1,628,000,000 different kinds of insects. This is kind of what they're doing with terpenes uh, in hemp and other cannabis products. So what are terpenes? Well, the most basic way to describe it is they're the things that come off of any plant or any animal that you can smell. So really, uh, you know, somebody that was out uh, exercise, we could, pheromones are the word you might use in a human being. Those are the sex sense that cross from animal to animal. Um, it, it's a parallel word, but it is anything that gives a distinctive smell. And actually that would translate into a flavor if it was on your tongue, because, you know, nose and tongue are so closely related. Um, it's called a terpene. And they have a scientific name, and then we have the common name of things that are in your refrigerator. For instance, we call it a lemon, but it's because of the terpene lemonel, limonel for limes. So a lot of the terpene names and the common names 
are similar. Latin plays a big part in it. Um, which part of the country you're in plays a part in it. But those are all terpenes. And the, the way back question is, why did a plant create these things? Well, they did it for two reasons. They either did it as a protection or they did it to interest, for instance, bees to come and help them pollinate and duplicate themselves. Those are the, the two reasons for them. Um, and of course, then through crossbreeding, of which we're way behind on in, in the cannabis world, but through crossbreeding, we have started to bring those things out because that same terpene is what's in the CBD little juicy little growth that contains the CBD oil that we want. So the more that we can crossbreed a plant to have that bud be full of the CBD juices that we want, the more terpene we're going to get to the point that here on our farm, when we were raising chem cherry last year, on the right night, when the wind was just lilting, just gently wafting, so you could just feel it on your cheek, my cousin Paul, mm, six, 700 feet from our field behind the barn, our hemp barn, could smell it outside at his house. And because the, the chem cherry that we had just gave off a, an incredible, and cherry was the right word. I mean, it was a, um, a kind of like a sour cherry, fragrant cherry blossom a little bit, uh, undeniably hemp smell, but it definitely had that aroma of cherry in it. And if you put your nose right in it, you definitely got it. It was unbelievable. But because of the almost thousand plants that we had, and like I said, when that wind was just wafting from the south, southeast, it would take it right to his house and uh, rolling around in the rangers on those beautiful evenings and sitting over there, uh, you know, or talking to him and he'd go, wow, I can, you know, I could, we weren't smelling it because I was in it. But if we'd go over there and sit and chat with him for a little bit and all of a sudden you go, you know, there, do you smell it? Well, that was, that was the terpenes that were coming off and blowing in the wind. What for? In that case, of course, to attract, to try and attract some uh, bugs to do a little bit of cross-pollination. These are the female plants uh, putting out that, hoping that, uh, you know, they will get some motion in. Of course, we did everything that we could to see that there were no male plants uh, within a long, long ways. But even so, because of that, we did get some cross-pollination. About 25% of ours uh, did have some hemp seed in them, and that means that they got pollinated from someone somewhere. And the nearest other plants that we had were three and a half miles one way or about eight miles another way. So let's, let's look at uh, how terpenes are related to hemp. Uh, one of the big things, of course, now this particular story is talking about at least 100 terpenes have been identified in hemp. Um, but it's really funny that when you take when you go to that link, that one then starts talking about uh, 20,000. So monoterpenes are ones that have a, one smell. And there we talked about limon uh, uh, limonene. That's that's one uh, one smell that's similar to lemon. And then there's 
myrcene, which is the most prevalent one in all of hemp plants. Um, it's mainly composed of a thyme oil, T-H-Y-M-E, like thyme that you use uh, in soup making and things like that. Uh, it smells earthy. You, some people get cloves out of it. Um, but it is found in mangoes and other trees. It's found in plants like lemongrass. Um, it has a sedative function if you get enough of it in your body. And so people use it um, for insomnia, for instance. Um, now they are saying that they are trying uh, uh, some of these in cancer treatments, not making any claims here. But uh, myrcene, pinene, of course, the pine tree smell, eucalyptol, like the eucalyptus plant, and lin linenol, um, like linen, comes from the flaxseed. Remember how you might have smelled flax. So as we move to uh, the, uh, as we move to the list there where they talked about the, uh, the 100 of them, that brings us to a page that talks about uh, 20,000 of them. And that's where I thought that it was so neat because it does talk about some of the other ones. And some of them have names like beta carophylline, and that is the sweet smell. Um, it's noted for its ability uh, to uh, emulate other smells. And that's kind of the smell that you may have smelled when you went past an alfalfa plant that was um, had the big roller drums and they were drying alfalfa to make pellets for animal feed. And often people cross that with the college dorm room smoking smell because that's the smell that crosses across that. Uh, Lionel is that floral meets spice, and that's the supposedly the mental stress and depression lifting uh, fragrance. And these are all parts of this uh, thing that you can buy when you're buying these oils now that you see on Amazon, and they have clubs or groups and stuff where you can buy all of the uh, the different oils and stuff that you can put on your body or you can burn them in candles or you can lay them around like on sponges and fill the room with a fragrant odor. And this goes all the way back to biblical times that this uh, changes people's emotions. And I think there's good evidence that it changes people's emotions. Um, is it of a medical benefit? I don't know. I make no claims to that. But certainly uh, we have uh, some evidence that it does lift people's spirits and makes them uh, feel better and uh, brings them joy as they use them. And so that is about the terpenes and particularly the terpenes that are in hemp and particularly the CBD side of the hemp industry. So if you get to a CBD field um, and with the owner's permission, uh, get out there and put your nose right in these fresh buds and just take a big inhale. A uh, matter of fact, exhale first and then inhale and then see what you get. And then X, by the way, when you inhale, then exhale again. And that's where you will get the big bouquet of what you might be smelling. And then talk about it. Different people will pull different things out of that fragrant 
a bud that is on that CBD plant. And then the trick, of course, for every CD, CBD farmer and every processor is to get that from that fresh, right from the field smell into the bottle. And by into the bottle, I mean through the process, through the drying, through the harvesting, through the drying, through any kind of processing and to the customer. How do we do that? How do we get it there? And that's where I'm going to leave the show today with this beautiful sunlit wheat field uh, behind me. But the question is, how do we get those terpenes from what the farmer, the grower enjoys on a beautiful sunshine day into the customer's hands? And that's the big question. So that is Chad Canna for today. We hope you'll join us again on Monday. Uh, we are here four days a week bringing you hemp news, a little bit of our opinions, but we really value what you have to say about it. So would you please, please um, give us your opinions down at the bottom? Uh, we like to read those and see what they have to say. And of course, if you're on Facebook, please like us. If you are on YouTube, please subscribe and ring that or click that little bell so it has like ringing signals about it. And then you'll always know when we come on with another chat canna. Until that time, have yourselves a great Thursday. We look forward to talking to you again on Monday. And we hope at that time we know who the next leader will be for our country starting 